This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the Senior Editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. I must confess those glorious summers I spent in high school were spent changing oil, greasing joints, and changing tires. My dad had a service station, and he decided that his two sons could help him do the work, and he'd make some extra money that way, though he did pay us 200 bucks a month for our six-day-a-week job. We got time off for special events like marching with the band and the high school parade, but it was a lot of work during the summer, I'll tell you. Now, I learned recently that this is not such a bad thing. Working in the summer perhaps boosted my chances of finishing high school and enhanced the possibility of my going on to college. In a fascinating study just released on the Education Next website entitled Year-Round Benefits from Summer Jobs, Alicia Montesino and Richard Paulson report that getting a summer job is a positive, not a negative. So I'm very pleased to have with me Alicia Modestino on the Education Exchange. Today, she's an economist at Northeastern University in Boston. So thank you, Alicia, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Alicia, you're preaching to the choir, as you can tell from my opening remarks. And we'll get to your methods because it's all very interesting how you've discovered what you are reporting. But First of all, can you tell our listeners exactly what you did find about uh, summer jobs? Absolutely. So I I think anyone who's had a summer job probably will agree they learned something on the job, even if it's just, I don't want to do this job full time or for the rest of my life. I did learn that. I learned that exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That that is great knowledge to have. Um, But, you know, one, one of the things that we found most specifically Uh, is that students who did work in the summertime were 7% more likely to graduate from high school on time um, and 22% less likely to drop out uh, within a year of the program. And so those are pretty sizable effects compared to other educational investments. Um, And a lot of this comes from improving school attendance in the year after participating in the program. Um, and also boosting GPAs. So if you show up on time and you uh, are in the classroom and you learn more, it turns out it's not rocket science, but that does increase uh, graduation and graduating on time. Well, some people are going to say, I don't know about that because, you know, the kids who are like me, they they can be uh, uh, enticed into working in the summer instead of fooling around are hardworking kids. And so they are more likely to graduate from high school. So, you know, how how do you know that this is really a causal effect, that this is really the result of of working in the summer and not just something that uh, people do who are going to succeed in life? So how did you deal with that particular issue? So we studied the summer youth employment program that is put on by the city of Boston. Um, We studied youth who were placed into that program in the summer of 2015. And for the purposes of our research, uh, the kind of driving um, uh, motivation there was that these young people are placed at random. So as you might imagine, uh, cities have limited resources. There's only uh, a certain number of job slots every summer. And so there's always more youth who apply than there are job slots. And what they do is they randomly assign these slots. About 85% of the kids who are offered a job 
uh, take it up and work that job. And so we are able to compare the outcomes of the young people who are randomly selected to get a summer job compared to those who were not randomly selected uh, by the city to have a job that summer. And because of that, we uh, are able to attribute the impacts of the program uh, to those better outcomes later on, because we have two very similarly situated groups who are equally motivated to work that summer, equally motivated to apply to the program. Um, and we also check and make sure that, yes, uh, in fact, uh, these students who are in the treatment group who were um, chosen to work that summer look exactly like those who were um, unfortunately not selected that summer. And so we're able to compare those two groups over time, and that's where our estimates come from. So well, what happens to those who, who aren't selected? Do you have any knowledge about what, did they find a job elsewhere, if not with a city, at least with somebody, or were they out of luck? Yeah, so they're not as likely to work in the summer um, as those who were selected by the program, but there are other options that are out there, right? It's not like city of Boston's the only game in town. So uh, when we look at, um, administrative data on wage and employment records, we find that about 28% of the applicants who were not offered a job through the program uh, were able to find their own job and worked between July and September of that summer. And that gives us a good sense also of, you know, whether or not this is a program that would maybe displace what kids would normally do anyway. And so remember, though, that all of these kids applied looking for a job. And so that means in the control group, you have an unemployment rate of about you know, 70% that's going on. So a sizable number of them are not getting any work experience at all. How old are these applicants? City of Boston uh, youth who are between the ages of 14 and 24 can apply. However, most of them are between the ages of 15 and 17. So they have uh, an average age of about 16 years old. So you can imagine these are, you know, uh, rising sophomores and juniors for the most part. Um, and also these are often uh, predominantly low-income kids of color um, who are applying to these positions uh, and who are getting placed. So by and large, you know, these are young people who don't have a lot of job opportunities available to them in the neighborhoods that they live in. So are, what kind of a job are they? Do they do they actually do work? You know, sometimes I wonder about those summer jobs. It's just sort of... Uh, some raking leaves and you end up leaning on a rake. Uh, so do you know anything about the jobs? Yeah, you know, I, I've given those kinds of jobs to my own kids and seen a lot of leaning on rakes in my time. So I can appreciate that. Uh, these are largely uh, summer camp jobs. So being a camp counselor, uh, which is certainly um, very, uh, you know, meaningful work where young people are supervising even younger people um, on the job. But there are a fair number of jobs that are um, in uh, offices, uh, libraries, working for nonprofit organizations. I'll tell you the most popular job is working at the aquarium in Boston um, as an intern. Well, of course, that's very popular. But how many how many jobs are there at the aquarium? Well, that is the problem. We get about 600 applicants for about 20 total positions there. So uh, they are encouraged to apply to anywhere from five to 15 positions to be able to get uh, placed in a job. 
So these are um, these are jobs that definitely are young people are engaged in doing meaningful work. And actually, that's something that's increased over time. So since the early 1990s, when these programs started, they were largely thought of as ways to just kind of keep kids out of trouble, keep them off the streets. And then, you know, um, policymakers and city leaders realized, wow, while we have these kids here, why don't we make sure these are meaningful job opportunities and that they're actually learning skills that they can apply in other contexts, whether that's another job or whether that's during the school year. Well, that's an interesting point you're just making there. Uh, what are the, um, you know, what are the mechanisms here? How, how, why do you think this this is having the positive effect that it's having? Are they are they learning things that are relevant to their completion of high school, going on to college? What kinds of skills do you learn on the job, even if it's uh, you know you know, just working at the Xerox machine or something like that? Yeah, that's one of the most unique things about our study is that we actually try to capture these mechanisms in um, a pre and post survey. So we survey all of the young people before they start the program and then after they complete it. And we measure changes over the summer across a wide variety of skills, everything from social skills um, and community engagement to academic aspirations, job readiness skills, uh, and work habits. So things like, um, you know, do you know how to uh, fill out a resume and interview for a position? Do you um, know how to work in a team? Do you know what is professional communication? Um, and surprisingly, one of the things that is very highly correlated with graduating from high school is the very basic skill of learning to show up on time. So I was going to ask you about that. To me, that's the biggest problem with any young person on their first job is they have to learn that they have to arrive at work on time. Yeah. And it turns out that that's not a skill that young people learn in school. So a lot of times someone will write you a note or give you infinite tries to show up on time. You know, it's pretty rare that you get detention or get suspended. I have kids coming to my classes that don't show up on time. I bet you do, too. <laughs> I absolutely. But what happens when you're on the job, especially if you're working a camp counselor job, if you show up late more than three times, you can get si fired from your summer job um, for the city of Boston. And I have talked to young people who have lost their jobs uh, in focus groups. And so every time when I ask a group of young people, what's what did you learn this summer on your summer job? The first thing they say is if you're going to be five minutes late, you may as well not show up at all. And that is something they carry with them into the school year. So we see a 2.4 percentage point increase in attendance rates during the school year after participating in the uh, summer youth employment program. And that's for the treatment group relative to that control group who didn't get a job through the program. And most of the improvement in attendance is a reduction in unexcused absences. And that is really something that carries over um, to be able to be in the classroom um, consistently, and that has an impact on uh, student GPA as well as passing exams um, over the course of their academic career. Well, what happens to those who lose their jobs? Do they continue in your study or because maybe your results are just because you're just looking at those who, who aren't didn't lose their jobs? Yeah. Yeah. So they are included in our study. And in fact, we even uh, also include young people who were just offered a position in the summer youth employment program. So in our treatment group, 
we include anyone who was offered a position because even just being offered a summer a summer job could have an impact on you, right? Could make you um, feel pretty good about yourself, increase your self-esteem, maybe makes you more confident to go out and find your own job. Who knows what that might be? So remember I said earlier that about 85% do take up the job, but about 15% don't. But we keep them in our treatment group to make sure that we're not just uh, estimating our effects off of those who uh, agree to take a job or stay on the job. So this is the true impact of, of the program offering you a position. Yes, and then you need to do it that way because in the randomization, that's the only thing that's random is the offer of the job, not necessarily the keeping of the job. And so you got to keep all those uh, folks who get fired in your sample, nonetheless. It's just like the people who refuse to take the pill that they're supposed to take. You got to, the doctors have to keep them in their study, nonetheless. Exactly right. And, you know, it could be the case, you know, for policymakers, if a lot of kids didn't take up a summer job, or if a lot of kids don't stay on the job, then that in and of itself is telling you it's not a very good or effective intervention. And so that's exactly right. That's why we keep those uh, students in our sample. So what are some of the policy consequences? And let me ask you to elaborate first on the laws that we have about student employment, what are the rules? When can you begin working and when is it thought to be child labor and you should be, your boss can be put in prison for, for my father, I think should have been put in prison. I think he started as much too young. So what, what is the, the legal limit there for when you can uh, begin working? I think all kids think that their parents should be put in prison from working them too early. But the legal age uh, is 14. Uh, that is the youngest age that you can work. And oftentimes there are a lot more requirements for youth who are age 14 up to age 16. So, for example, in Massachusetts, if you are a 14 year old, you not only have to get a work permit that is signed by your parents, uh, but also the superintendent of your school, as well as your physician. Uh, to ensure that this is a meaningful activity that you are able to engage in and it won't interfere with other things like schooling or um, other kinds of well-being or health conditions or things like that. Um, there's also a limit to the number of hours that you can work and also the kinds of jobs, right? So a lot of the stories we've heard recently about um, child labor laws being violated uh, in different industries like meatpacking and things like that, those are not the kinds of jobs that young people uh, are legally able to work. And so one thing that is very important about the summer youth employment programs is that they guarantee that these are jobs that not only meet these legal requirements, but that also um, are high quality. They have supervisors that um, have been uh, uh, trained by the city. They have um, kind of different regulations in place to make sure that these are jobs that are providing skill building opportunities that that also often come with a curriculum. So that is another requirement of these programs is there's some career readiness curriculum that teach young people about careers, career exploration, um, and you know how to get to that next opportunity. Well, that may be good for the summer jobs program in Boston, but then does this really tell you the advantage of getting a summer job or is this just telling you about the advantage of getting a summer job in the Boston summer program? Because it's the first that we're really interested in, you know, should we create uh, maybe relax the rules to make it easier for kids to get uh, summer jobs just more generally? Because it sounds like there's enough 
hassles, at least for those 14 and 15 years of age, that that might by itself discourage kids from getting something that could be beneficial to them. Yeah, well, one thing we do know is that we've done studies like this in other cities. So in Chicago, um, in uh, uh, New York City, and we have found some similar impacts on young people in those programs. So it's not just a Boston thing, but it does seem to be a summer youth employment thing where we find similar attendance and GPA effects and things like that. Um, but you're right, we don't really know, you know, is every summer job uh, gonna pro produce these kinds of impacts? One, one thing that we do know is that there was a follow-on study in New York where they gave young people from the summer youth employment program um, letters of recommendation from their supervisors to be able to get their own job after having been in a program. And we do know that those young people tended to get jobs where they worked longer hours, um, they worked during the school year, and that actually had an impact of slowing down high school graduation. So I do think that there um, are some limitations here. And one reason why summer youth employment programs are so attractive is that First of all, they're happening in the summer when most young people are maybe idle. Um, and the other thing is that they are, you know, providing those safeguards to make sure that these are developmentally beneficial experiences rather than, you know, maybe working, um, you know, in, in a, a, you know, a, a job that has high hours or that is, you know, extremely repetitive or onerous kind of work. So how does this compare to the private sector in terms of salary and other forms of compensation? Are these not only sort of attractive jobs uh, in the sense that uh, they're indoors and not uh, outdoors or not particularly strenuous, but they but they also may be paying well. So how how's the pay scale? Yeah, so most of these programs, uh, young people are being paid the minimum wage, which um, often is a, a pretty good wage, especially if you don't have too many outside options, right? So if your choice is between not having a summer job and one that pays the minimum wage, that looks pretty good. But I will say that right now, when we have a very um, hot summer jobs uh, season going on, where young people have a lot of opportunities to work in the private sector, um, that some young people are finding it much more attractive in terms of wages to go work you know, for big box stores like Target or Walmart that are paying, you know, two, three, four dollars above the minimum wage. That does seem to make a difference. One thing I'll say is there is a um, component of the Boston Summer Youth Employment Program that does place young people into private sector jobs uh, with companies like Moderna or, um, you know, Mass General Hospital or uh, Genzyme, biopharma kinds of things, life sciences, financial institutions like banks and insurance companies. However, that part of the Summer Youth Employment Program is not assigned at random. We have studied that and found that those private sector jobs actually have um, impacts on applying to college uh, and enrolling uh, in college as well. But the evidence there is a little less uh, secure in terms of its causal interpretations, just because we don't assign those jobs at random, because as you can imagine, there's a lot of matching that goes on between those kinds of private sector opportunities and the yeah, students. And who would private be... employers are probably going to insist on looking at the candidate before they accept them on the job. Exactly right. That's exactly right. So then what are the policy implications that you would see other than those that we've chatted about? 
Yeah. So, you know, one thing that's, uh, you know, pretty obvious policy implication is, especially with a lot of, you know, dollars flowing from the American Rescue Plan Act is if these programs are oversubscribed, which is why I get to study them using a lottery design, then perhaps we should make sure we fund them enough so that more young people are able to have these experiences. Our estimates show that if you just look at a basic cost-benefit analysis, it costs about $2,000 per young person um, to run these programs. And actually, about 1,500 of that is youth wages, which is something that's productive because uh, they're actually doing work. Uh, so we find that there's a cost benefit of about two to one. So it's a pretty good investment, um, especially if you're looking at federal dollars that could be flowing into a state or a city. So expanding these programs, you know, offering these opportunities um, to more young people can be particularly helpful. Some of the other policy implications that we're looking at are exactly the questions we were just talking about in terms of the types of jobs. So if it's the case that having an entry-level job as a 14 or 15-year-old teaches you those basics of showing up on time, working in a team, thinking about those good work habits and social skills, then perhaps we can, we should make sure that you ladder into uh, an opportunity the following summer that's maybe in those private sector positions when you are thinking about maybe the kinds of college majors that you would be interested in or the kinds of careers that you would like to pursue. So being able to uh, intentionally help young people move from one summer to the next in terms of those kinds of opportunities to build those skills over time and lead to a, a meaningful career or college pathway. Well, one of the things that I've been hearing sort of sotto voce is that one reason why we are seeing declining enrollments in high schools in some big cities is because there are lots of job opportunities out there. That is, as you said, a hot job market out there for people at age 15, 16. And so a lot of kids are saying, why should I go to school when I can actually make more than the minimum wage on my job? And I'm learning some skills here and I'm building my resume for getting into better jobs downstream. So maybe I'm just going to drop out. And so we'll have quite the opposite consequence of what you're talking about. Uh, have you heard that? And uh, how do you fit your findings with those uh, with those possibilities? Yeah, I have heard that, and you know, I think that we've even seen it, you know, at the college level too, right? Enrollments uh, decline when we have a really strong labor market because people can gain some of the skills that they need while they're uh, earning a salary, and that's incredibly attractive. One of the things that we're looking at in the city of Boston is really to build a more holistic youth workforce development system where young people aren't having to choose between having a job and maybe having a post-secondary or schooling experience. So, for example, during the pandemic, when we shut a lot of summer camps down, we had to innovate and figure out what are we going to do with a summer youth employment program when we don't have summer camp jobs for these kids to fill and one of the things the city did was to create a learn and earn program where young people were paid to take community college courses and they were paid for their time spent in those courses and studying um, for those courses. And so young people didn't have to choose between uh, earning income in the summer or year round. 
and then having a schooling experience. And so the more that we can blend these things together and recognize it's not just workforce development over here, schooling over there, but that this is all a developmental activity that can be reinforcing, right, where we can give you a summer job that is related to your schooling interests, I think that would be all the better. And so that's that's one of the things that we're trying to move towards. But as you can imagine, there's a lot of coordination between you know, Boston Public Schools uh, and the city of Boston that needs to happen to make that plan come to fruition. Well, thank you, Alicia, for uh, explaining all that. You've got a fascinating study and it tells a lot of us what uh, we've generally believed but didn't really have the good evidence on before. So thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thanks so much for having me and letting me talk about, you know, a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I have four kids of my own. And, you know, I think one thing we can all agree on is we we all as parents and adults love to see kids work. So it's nice that it also has these uh, additional benefits as well. Well, I've been speaking with Alicia Modestino, an economist at Northeastern University in Boston, who is author of a just released article on the Education Next website entitled Year-Round Benefits from Summer Jobs. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new podcast released on the Education Next website every Monday at noon Eastern time.